Hey, Move Your Body Differently podcasters, this is your host, Shayla Darty, and welcome to this episode where my friend Brittany Bauer is talking about disordered eating, what it is, the stigma behind it, what it really means, and what it means to actually be an intuitive eater and what the 10 steps are for intuitive eating. You are not going to want to miss this because in every single second, of this podcast episode. It is a little bit longer than usual, but in every single moment of this podcast episode, you are going to see how Christ is intertwined in your health and your fitness journey, no matter where you are in your journey. So you will leave encouraged, but you will also leave with practical tools, wisdom, education, and understanding of what it means to have disordered eating, what intuitive eating is, and what the end goal is for your health and your fitness journey in relation to Christ as well. I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. We had a blast as we were doing this episode and it is all for you. All right, I'll let you get into it. You are listening to the Move Your Body Differently podcast, where we talk about how your theology of God affects your wellness journey. I'm Shayla Darty, a Jesus follower, wife, mama, and owner of SD Fitwell. I know staying healthy and fit can often feel like an obligation and can leave you feeling defeated, anxious, and maybe in an endless cycle of losing and gaining weight and wondering why in the world you just can't get it right. And that's why I'm on a mission to see generations of women take back their health and fitness from the enemy and instead honor God with their bodies by exercising and eating healthy because we get to, not because we have to. For too long as women, we've been held captive by a never reaching standard of body beauty, and it is time to break free. By seeing your wellness through the lens of the gospel, you can be empowered with boldness, more confident in the gifts God has given you, and increase your mental and physical capacity so you can be more present to those around you. If you're ready to feel free from the weight of your current health and fitness regimen, then keep listening. I can't wait to share with you how the gospel shapes our fitness and health journeys. Listen while you work out, drive in the car, or while your kids run around crazy, but go ahead and invite Jesus into your wellness journey, and let's see how he changes our hearts together. Hey, Fit Family, and welcome back to the podcast today. I am so excited and honored to have Brittany back. She is back with us. She is a registered dietitian. If you did not listen to the episode from last week, you are going to want to go back and get to know her. She is an awesome human being, and I cannot wait for us to dive into this topic today. Welcome back, Brittany. I'm so excited to be back. I love last week's episode, so I'm looking forward to this. Yes. Also, fun fact, my middle name is Brittany, spelled the same way. That's awesome. T-T-A-N-Y. Yes. I love it. I've never met a, a middle name, Brittany. That's awesome. <laughs> That's no, really yes. Cool. It's, I, I, have, I have several friends right now, I, just as of the last several months, who are named Brittany. And same way I spell my middle name, which is fun. So little, we're already bonded in that way. That's awesome. All right. So today we are going to do a little bit of a deeper dive and talk about disordered eating dieting, how it can be harmful, and also talk about what that means when it comes to intuitive eating. So with that, Brittany, I'm going to let you take over and start talking about disordered eating. All right. Well, 
as we kind of mentioned on the last episode, oftentimes food can be used as a mechanism of control or to mask emotions. There's many reasons we use food for something other than God and how he intended it to be. Okay, so we'll delve more into that. But before we can really understand what intuitive eating is, I think we need to understand what is disordered eating and why is that harmful? How does it affect our body? And so disordered eating is, and I'm going to use the definition from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics because I really like the way they sum that up, but then I'll break it down with some more detail. But disordered eating, it's used to describe a range of irregular eating behaviors that may or may not warrant a diagnosis of a specified eating disorder. So as I mentioned before, disordered eating is not necessarily a fully diagnosed eating disorder, but it's certainly a pattern that can lead to a very harmful eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. disordered eating is very, very common. And a lot of people struggle with disordered eating and might not even realize that they have disordered eating. Okay. Mm. And so some, what are some different evidences, evidences, not a word. (laughs) What's the different evidence of disordered eating? (laughs) Any form of dieting and restricting of specific foods out of fear or anxiety can be a sign of disordered eating. So for example, Mm -hmm. restricting carbohydrates or cutting calories or low fat, like following a low fat diet or any any form of extreme or restricting can be a form mm-hmm. of disordered eating. Dieting for the purpose of weight loss, which is sounds so counter cultural or counter yeah. message to what other people are saying. But when we diet to lose weight, it actually is harmful to the body. And I can talk mm-hmm. more about that here in a moment as well. Mm-hmm. If you struggle with weight cycling, so if you notice that your weight, like you gain weight and then you lose weight, and then you gain more, then you lose, and then you gain, then you mm-hmm. weight, you're not maintaining weight over time, that's a sign of disordered eating as well. Mm-hmm. And then also restricting particular meals. This is where like intermittent fasting comes in. Yeah. Any form of not honoring hunger, not eating on a regular pattern. So any form of skipping meals can be um, lead to disordered eating or actually is a version of disordered eating. And also, if you skip meals or cut out certain foods or calories to save up for other foods or calories, like, okay, I know I'm going to a party Mm -hmm. later tonight, so I need to not have breakfast so that I can eat more or not go over my limit or my points or my calories, whatever that is. It's basically restricting to then plan to eat something else that Mm -hmm. can be disordered eating. If you feel out of control around foods. If you have negative beliefs about yourself, like, or, or tie your morality to what you did or did not eat, or if you feel guilt and shame around eating certain foods, all of that is forms of disordered eating. And also, if, you're, if you have obsessive or constant thoughts about food, and this is one that's really hard to identify sometimes, because again, if you aren't aware that you overly obsess or think about food, it might not really be something you identify. Yeah. I'm on it. Oftentimes, my clients, once they get to that point where they realize like something's not working and they, we start working together, they start to really realize, oh, my goodness, my thoughts are constantly about food. That rules my yeah. thoughts or constantly yeah. about the weight I need to lose or what my body looks like. All of that is forms of disordered eating. Mm-hmm. If you're really rigid around certain food rules and schedules, all of that. And then if you change your social situations to accommodate for your food choices or vice versa. So like yeah. if you're going to go out to eat you might, you know, eat something before you go to the restaurant because you don't want to feel out of control or fear what people are watching you eat. Or if you don't go places because you don't want to eat in front of others, all of that can be examples of disordered eating. Yeah. A a question 
real quick when you're talking about the the thoughts you may not be aware of your thinking do you end up having your clients do like a thought check or like something to where you're like hey you need and that you may talk about this a little bit later too but like in order for them to start beginning to realize how much they're actually thinking about it yes so one of the big mo- actually the whole module that i talk through work through with my clients is all about mindset yeah. thoughts and beliefs and we actually, right. actually we have multiple modules around that because yeah. There's different types of dieting voices is kind of the intuitive eating term, you know, that, that mm-hmm. I talk about clients. And we, once the, we start to talk about and I start to help them see that these thoughts are tied to these patterns, they begin to recognize. And then we work through that and I have them do different exercises and practices to help identify the lies, identify their thoughts, identify their beliefs, and then how mm-hmm. to speak the truth and how to actually you know, through the Holy Spirit, change those yeah. thoughts and, and, you know, neuroplasticity and all that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually change its neuropathways and all that through the reinforcement of truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the, the picture of, you know, scripture says taking the thoughts captive. And I think oftentimes it's like, okay, take the thought captive. And you're like, okay, so like, here's a bad thought that comes through my mind, you know, capture it. But then what do I do with it? You know, like, I don't feel like, Often we're told after that, it's just like, take the thought captive. And it's like, okay, well, what next? You know, it's yeah, like, well, you have to reframe that and mm-hmm. you know, use truth to combat that and continue to replace that lie or that thought or whatever it is, to, yes. which is very hard to do. Mindset yeah, is, is a lot. Yeah. And, and I know I alluded to this in the last episode about how our beliefs are formed based off, off of our experiences. And so the way I always explain to clients is oftentimes a thought pattern and a belief we have will be based on something we heard and then something in our life will happen to reinforce what we heard. So then we, we internalize that to become our belief. And so the opposite yeah. has to happen when we're trying to replace the lie with truth. And that's yeah. where, you know, working through different exercises and different practices to help reinforce that truth because we need to have the lived experience for that belief to become truth and to not just be head knowledge and to walk it out and carry mm-hmm. it out. And mm-hmm. like you said, it goes because it has to go beyond just capturing the thought. It's capturing it and then yeah. carrying out the actions to reinforce that so that your brain mm-hmm. picks that up. Oh, okay, this is truth and this is my actions will not follow. Yeah, yeah. Going into that, so different signs of disordered eating, which I think is very common. And I think a lot of women, like you said in the beginning, probably don't realize they have some type of disordered eating. From there, how does that affect everything? So that is a, such a, all, all of the different areas affect each other. Okay. And I know, again, we alluded to this last episode, how the spiritual foundation is so important. But yeah. when I explain to my clients, they all affect each other. And so I tried to break this down into four categories of the mind, the body, the social, your social life and health to, and spiritual. When mm. it comes to the effects of dieting, and when I say, again, dieting, it's any form of restriction or using anything to try to control, manipulate, change the body out of fear, yeah. all of that. Yeah. Dieting affects our mind. And like we just talked about, it creates obsession. So it can completely dominate our thought patterns. We can obsess about food and body. It can actually increase your depression symptoms and make depression worse, which is really paradoxical, if that's the right word, because we often think, oh, if I eat better, I'm going to have less depression. But oftentimes when we diet, it actually can lead to worse depression. 
And Mm -hmm. that is because of the negative emotions associated and tied to the dieting patterns of, you know, I I do really good when I'm on my diet and then I do really bad when I'm not on my diet. And so mm-hmm. we try that morality and our how we view ourselves and view foods and things around us based off of our eating pattern. And so mm-hmm. that can make depression worse because we can yeah. feel worse about ourselves and feel the shame and the guilt that's all tied into eating. And that, so that mm-hmm. can be very harmful in our mental health. And then it can also create addictive behaviors in the brain. And I don't know that we want to go into this full topic right now because it's a really in-depth topic, but food is not addictive in the way of things like drugs and alcohol, right? But with that said, there can be the addictive behaviors because we use it for emotional dependency rather than knowing how to turn to healthy things to work through emotions. We use food to stuff and cope. So then it can increase that obsession, increase that feeling of overwhelm in our mind when we're around certain foods instead of having a healthy handle on emotions and working through emotional health in a healthy way. It's all masked and coped by using food or coped with food. And then it also increases our risk of eating disorders, which is not just our mind that's physical as well, social and spiritual, but it can increase that desire because of negative body image and fear and insecurities and all these things and affect those thought patterns and lead to the use of food as a full eating disorder. Yeah. And then for our body, it, it's actually physically harmful to our body to diet, especially long term. So oftentimes we think, oh, I'm just going to diet for a little bit just to cut the extra weight off and then I'll go back to normal. Right. But that's, right. that's the trap. It doesn't really happen that way. It becomes yep. a cycle where we use the food to diet and to lose the weight. But then from there, once we reach the goal, either we're not really ever satisfied or yeah. it becomes the all or nothing or the what the heck effect where it's like, well, I messed up today, so I'm done with this. And then we like go to the other extreme again. You start overeating or eating the way you did, and then you gain weight. And oftentimes over time, that weight increase will go up. Mm -hmm. And it happens because in our body, your metabolism really slows down because your body is not, especially with low-carbohydrate diets, your body is not getting adequate energy to fuel the cells. So the first use of energy after glucose will be breaking down protein to get glucose, which is not the ideal use of protein in the body. And when Mm -hmm. we break down our own proteins, it breaks down our skeletal muscle and skeletal muscle is what helps increase our metabolism to keep our, you know, using energy efficiently in our body. So over time, Mm -hmm. as we diet, restrict calories and restrict carbohydrates, that that can cause that long-term weight gain and harm because of that decrease in skeletal muscle. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying a lot. Did you have any questions? No, no. I have more body, so. Yeah, that is awesome. I love it. And those of you who are listening, you are going to want to go back and listen to this episode a couple of times because there's so much truth in what Brittany's talking about. And when you're talking about that, the all or nothing, the diet, you know, I call that with my clients, the yo-yo cycle or the roller coaster cycle, you know, where you lose the weight, gain the weight, lose the weight. And I actually, at the time of this podcast being out, I did a, a episode with my friend Jess all about the all or nothing mentality or the pause button mentality. And so often I f- women fault themselves, I think, too, for pressing pause or losing the weight and then gaining it back. And, you know, there's several reasons mm-hmm. for that. One, you know, habits aren't in place or they don't know how to listen to hunger cues or they're given a meal plan. So they don't actually know how to meal plan and prep for themselves and all these things. But also just culturally, that's yeah. what we're taught 
we're taught like, hey, New Year's goals, like it feels really good to start fresh. And it's honestly, it's noble to be like, I want to be able to focus on my time on this. I want to be able to do this. But what, you know, the start, stop, start, stop doesn't do is it doesn't teach you how to live this lifestyle when you're busy, which is like 85% or 90% of your year or even your week or your month. Like it doesn't teach you how to actually have a healthy and whole lifestyle in the middle of your crazy life, you know? And that's going back to the body of like back and forth and understanding that that's not healthy. Like we, we want to know how to do this simply in the everyday and trace it back to why, why do I want to start fresh? You know, even asking that question of like, why do I want to start fresh? Do I feel like a failure because of that? Like, do I feel like I've failed the Lord? Do I feel like I've failed my family? You know, like asking those deeper questions of why is this? And then continuing to ask, okay, why is this? Why am I thinking this? Why, why do I think it's going to get better in two weeks when this big project is done? You know, my kid might get sick at that point or whatever it looks like. And I think it's, it's just so crazy how, like you said, dieting really affects every area you know, your body is a huge part of that, of course, but even spiritually, emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, like you were saying, thoughts, mindset, it's just, it all goes together. It does. And I always tell my clients, like, they think they failed the diet, but the diet failed them because yeah. they, it's it's not God, but they but we view it as God. Oftentimes it becomes mm-hmm. that idol or that thing we use to control. And I mean, kind of, if that's okay, kind of going back to some of the things yeah. on the body, yeah. you know, it's really like I already talked about the slow metabolism and we just talked about the weight cycles and the weight gains and all that. And that actually can increase your cardiovascular risk. And one of the mm-hmm. one of the things that's so, again, against everything we hear, it's like, oh, well, if you're in a weight, a body that has carries more weight, then you have increased cardiovascular risk. But that's not necessarily truth. And that's not mm-hmm. really accurate data. And there's there's actually a lot of data to show that weight cycling is even more harmful because it mm-hmm. changes the way our body uses energy, like I was just talking about. And mm-hmm. so it's it's actually healthier for your body to maintain a weight, no matter what the weight is, because everybody has that weight that's good for their body. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. what the world says, but God right. designed your body good. And when we have a healthy relationship with food and, and movement and our body and, and all that, we will maintain a weight. You will, it will be remain steady. And that, really? that helps to lower those cardiovascular risks. And, and the other thing, like we can, you can have low energy. You can really struggle with moodiness with dieting. It can actually lead to overeating, which leads to that weight gain and increase your binge, the binge eating cycle. And yeah. then also GI symptoms. I feel like one of the things that has really advanced is, yes, like GI the medical field around the GI GI stuff has gotten more available and it's really great. But why do we see such an increase of GI discomfort all the time? I truly, I believe and know there's research to show this. When you have a lot of stress around food and when you constantly cut foods out and add them back in, all of these different cycles can increase your GI symptoms and can lead to GI complications. And oftentimes, as people begin to heal their relationship with food and stop in these patterns and these cycles, a lot of those symptoms resolve. Not to minimize mm. people who have actual GI disorder, right, right? But oftentimes, we have those because of these cycles that we're in with food, and mm. that's 
really harmful to us and it creates yeah. discomfort and then it creates more fear of, oh, I need to restrict this because I have this symptom. But in reality, it's yeah. causing the symptoms and it's yes. just a cycle that's never seems to end with a lot mm -hmm. of people. So, yeah, yeah, that's more of the body. And then, like you said, social and spiritual, I could go into that if you want to. But yeah, I mean, yeah, just give us like a snippet of like, okay. how does that affect? I mean, you did mention that. It might have been in, in last week's episode, just even socially. Or no, you mentioned it here okay. about disordered eating, like how if you're socially, you're you're thinking things like, you know, you could even take this example. Like I was talking to somebody today and, you know, because of my background, people want to share things with me and which I'm totally OK with. I love it. You know, it's what I do. And she was just sharing with me about even like eating before going somewhere, which is what you mentioned. Like yeah. she had something she was going to, she knew what was being cooked and she just was like, I don't know if it wasn't more, it wasn't a, I just don't know if I want to eat that. It was more of like, I don't know if I can, you know, I don't want to eat that because it's just so unhealthy and I don't think I can stop kind of thing. More of that. And so she ate before she went. And so it was like, while it was like trying, she was like trying to do it because she thought it was good. At the same time, it was like socially, she was, you know, distancing herself from what they have cooked because mm -hmm. she was afraid she would overeat it and that it wasn't going to be good for her body, you know? Yes. And oftentimes, to be honest, what happens is people end up overeating it anyways. And that's yeah. or do that later on. But there is it's, it can create social is isolation, fear and anxiety when in public places and co constant comparison. So you can't even make genuine connections with people because your mind is constantly right. thinking about how you're being perceived or what you're eating mm -hmm. or what you are going to eat or, you know, all just, I mean, and, and I know also just from clients sharing these experiences with me as yeah. well. And even in my past, some things I've experienced, like all of that is very tied together. And then spiritually, you know, it comes down to the pride, idolatry, people pleasing, fear, shame, condemnation, lack of identity, hiding mm -hmm. from God, thinking he's mad at us. And so really affecting our intimacy with him. So there's a lot of really deeper spiritual things that are really found the foundational pieces of our faith and our spiritual health can be really harmed and affected from dieting and the use of these things in our life. Yeah. And this is something, another phrase, you know, around revelation wellness that Elisa Keaton says is like our outward body is a reflection of what the Lord is doing inwardly. And th that can be taken, you know, a couple different ways, but mostly in the fact of like, you know, when the Lord is doing a new thing here in your heart, like what you do, as you mentioned earlier, like what you do with your body is an outflow of that. You yeah. know, no matter what size that is, it's, you know, going back to what you mentioned too, was like everybody feels different energy levels at different weight, you know, and that could look differently than what the world says. And that was actually a question that I, I was going to ask was when it comes, because I've had I. I've had clients before ask, like, is it okay to have a weight loss goal? And I'm like, well, here's my take on that. And you may have, you know, I'd love to hear your thought on this too, is, you know, we all feel most energetic at different places, you know, and, and the goal usually is if you're eating, you know, intuitively, which we're going to get into that a little bit better. If you're listening to your body, you're actually connected with your body. You're like listening to its hunger cues. You're not like you were talking about with fasting. You're not fasting at certain things at certain windows because you feel like, well, that's going to make me healthier. You know, you're not ignoring your hunger cues. You're you're noticing them. You're naming them. You know, when you're satisfied, when you're eating, you're you know being mindful when you eat. And if you feel like your energy levels are great, you know, and you're able to do whatever you feel like the Lord's called you to do, then 
why do you need to lose weight? You know, like it's one of those things where it's not inherently bad if, if losing weight is going to give you the energy levels that you need, but going about it at a different way of like listening to your hunger and fullness and, you know, all of those things, mm-hmm. mindfully eating usually can lead to that and help you feel like your fullest and most energetic self. And so even in that, like, I don't know if the question is like, is there a distinction there? Or like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you still feel like that's disordered eating when it comes to, you know, the even the thought process behind wanting to lose weight? Yeah. And that's such a good question. And this one, I, I personally, and I don't think this is just, I really believe this is also, again, not that I'm all for like science has to be all truth, right? But I really do, do right. know that research shows this. And from my experience with clients and from my colleagues who work in similar ways that I do with clients, I truly don't believe focusing on weight loss is ever a beneficial thing because what mm-hmm. will happen is it will still skew and distort your ability to really listen to your body and really surrender that area of your life to God. and. Yeah. I often, that's often the hardest thing for people to give up and surrender because we think, oh, I have to be at X weight to be healthy or to feel energy or to whatever that be. But like you, you said that very accurately, you know, in the sense of when you are in tune with your body and you have a variety of foods in your diet and what you are eating and what makes you feel good and you have good spiritual health, good movement, like a healthy relationship around movement. Mm -hmm. And again, that's going to look different for everybody. If your weight is stable at a weight where you have energy and you feel good, it might not be what you would want it to be or what you would expect it to be. So the problem with the weight loss goal is it might not be for you. God might not have weight loss as what is going to be best for your body. And And to have that can leave you still striving to achieve something God doesn't have for you in the first place, if that makes sense. But with that said... Some people lose weight through this process because they were using food as a crutch, for example, eating more than they actually needed or wanted. It was more Mm -hmm. of like an emotional dependency or binging or things like that. Some people lose weight once they heal their relationship with food, but some people also gain weight and some people will maintain. There's never a promise of that. And that's one of the false securities of the world's way of if you strive for weight loss, it's going to happen. But I, I personally will I tell every one of my clients, even before they decide to work with me, I will not help you lose weight. If God yeah. has it for you, that will happen. But if not, we will get you to a place where you are like you feel good in the body that God is giving you. And, mm-hmm. and it's working yeah. through that belief and those fears of why we need to lose weight to be confident. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to lose weight to have to, yeah. you know, to whatever the deeper thing is going on inside. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's even a couple of episodes ago, I was talking about goals and outcome-based goals like that, like weight loss and how we can have this goal. Sure. You know, like people can have this goal, but we literally have no control over that outcome. Yeah. The only thing like in in the episode, what we're what I was walking through is like having an identity-based mindset of our identity in Christ and like who is our identity and who does the Lord want us to be pursuing 10 years from now and then now we still have no control over that outcome you know only the Lord has control over that because only he knows if we're going to wake up tomorrow you know yeah like but what we have control over is just our behaviors and our habits that we're doing every day with him first 
and then outwardly with our body, you know, and having those good behaviors and habits, like you were saying, could lead to weight loss if that's what the Lord wants and their body needs, or it may maintain them. Or the hardest, the hardest yeah, one for the people, hardest. It, it may, may mean they need to gain weight. Yes. You know, in that process. And, but if you're, if you have control over, which is what you can have control over, which is your behaviors, your mindset as much as you can with the Holy Spirit's intervention and help and your actions, if you're doing all of those things, that's what's going to satisfy us in the journey and with the Lord, because we don't actually, and I feel like so often people are like, like, they're like, try to grab their way to that goal. Like, I need this, you know, like, why can I get there? Or this is my goal. I need to get there. And then when you get there, you know, of course, I, I, I've i come from a little bit different background with, with dieting before. And, you know, it's, you don't, even when you lose weight, you don't necessarily maintain your leanest weight. You know, like once you go into a, ma- a maintenance phase, if you're trying to maintain weight, you make, because you're eating a little bit more, you may be, you know, a couple pounds heavier, water and carbs, fluids, fiber, all of those things, you know, all of it. But even that understanding is so hard for people like, well, I should be able to you know, maintain this super lean weight all the time. It's like, well, you know, and so anyways, all of that going back to what you're talking about of just, if it's what the Lord wants, it will happen, but we can't force it to. And that is what makes it so much harder. And it consumes our thoughts and it consumes our minds. And that's disordered eating is what is it doing to our, our minds, our spirit with the Lord, our relationships with other people and our body is it consuming yeah. our mindset in in this goal that we're trying to achieve yeah. that may not be what the Lord wants, you know? And then that I just like don't want to minimize people's feelings because right. we also have a culture that tries to say that XYZ body is not good enough. But the reality right. is, is that has changed throughout all different generations. And I know as you know, all of the different movements have come out more about like not body shaming, which is great, but you know, yeah. It it really, I, I think that that's what's so hard is, you know, you hear all these messages from the outside that you have to be a certain body. And you hear that from both sides of all body types. You know, you hear people in larger bodies putting down those in smaller bodies that, oh, in smaller bodies, you don't understand what I'm going through. Or smaller right, bodies yeah. say, you don't understand what I'm going through in larger bodies. And there's all this yeah. constant battle and back and forth and comparison. When in reality, mm. all of us have the same heart struggles. Don't, no matter your body size, it comes down to the same struggle, wanting to be seen and validated and loved. And we will strive to do that thing, whether I need to be more muscular, I need to get bigger, I need to get smaller, I need to, there's all this, like, the reality is it's so beyond what we see. It really comes right. down to the heart. And we, as ladies and men, again, I don't want to minimize if there are men listening to this, yeah. we have those same rooted struggles. And so I really believe we need to get our focus off the body and mm. look at people's hearts and genuinely care and nurture the heart of others yeah. around us or else we are missing it. In my belief, I think we're missing the whole point of what God is trying to say around yeah. why he made our bodies and how they're good and all of that. Yeah, I love that. And you, you put that so well. I wish I could just take that and send it to all my clients, which I will when this, <laughs> when this podcast comes out. So going from there, we know what disordered eating is. So what do we do to change this? You know, what, where is this intuitive eating that comes in and what, you know, we've already talked about that a little bit of, you know, the heart, getting your heart right first. Now, once our hearts are right, we see the trauma or we see the disordered eating, we're focusing on that. Where are we going from there? 
So intuitive eating, I will say that term and the 10 steps of intuitive eating were coined from two registered dietitians, Evelyn Tribal and Elise Resch. I, I feel like I'm saying their names wrong. But and I, I've been trained. I went through their certification program and have been trained by them. And they're they're wonderful dietitians and instructors. But I will say, like, they weren't biblically based. Right. But right. truthfully, like even when I and I'm not going to go into depth of this, but as I started to heal my relationship with food and with the Lord through this, through that process, he truly began to show me biblically what eating healthy looks like. And then I happened to come upon intuitive eating. I was like, hey, that really lines up with the things God's telling me, even though it's not Christian. Yeah. And it's you know, right. it really did truly line up. And so intuitive eating is that ability. It's it's not just listening to our bodies for what to eat or how much, but it really ties back into that full scope of our mental, the thoughts we think and the our emotional health or relationship around movement and body size and all of that. But mm -hmm. I'm just going to list out what the 10 steps of intuitive eating are. Yeah. And just as a disclaimer, they're not linear. You don't always just start with one and end in 10. Mm -hmm. These are very mm -hmm. interconnected because as humans, we are more complicated than just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. You know, it's just yeah. not like that. Yeah. But those 10 steps are rejecting the diet mentality. So that's actually getting rid of diet tools, resources, mindset, like, okay, diets don't work. I'm ready to start something new, which really is the first step of changing that pattern. If if we're looking yeah. beyond the spiritual, again, you guys know my my yeah. rooted foundation is spiritual, but looking at intuitive eating as itself. But mm -hmm. that second is honoring your hunger. The third is making peace with food, which again is making no foods are good or bad. Okay, getting mm -hmm. away from that mentality of black and white thinking, challenging the food place, which are those thought patterns and those different voices in our head that pop up to say, hey, so and so you're doing this wrong or should do this, shouldn't do that. It's the constant thoughts mm -hmm. that we think around food and body. Yeah. Discovering the satisfaction factor because God made food to be good. And if we're not satisfied with the food we eat, we will continue to try to find that satisfaction in other food. And then feeling fullness, coping with your emotions with kindness. So again, good emotional health, mental health, respecting your body and respecting your body doesn't mean you love every part of your body right away. It, yeah. it means honoring like knowing that god made your body good and we need to fuel it well and take care of it well and do things that we enjoy and respect that our body has needs and take care of that and then through time heal that that way heal the way that we view our body over time yeah. okay yeah. and then movement and feeling the difference again not focusing on outcome-based goals but more focusing on how it makes you feel what you enjoy and yes, sometimes that means doing hard things that push us a little bit more, but mm -hmm. it's not necessarily obsessing about that and becoming very black and white around if I didn't have this type of sweat today or if I didn't burn this many calories, then I didn't do a good enough job. No, like mm -hmm. movement should be enjoyed and something we do as a part of our entirety of our day throughout the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the last one which usually is the last thing I truly focus on with clients because we can't really do this until we heal all those other things is mm. honoring your health with gentle nutrition because the, I am a dietitian. I believe that, yes, an apple has a lot of good things in it, but I also yeah. believe there's a place for a brownie. But mm -hmm. how can we eat foods that are nutritious without it becoming obsessive and in a way of dieting? you know, mm -hmm. around an, an unhealthy belief around that. So the gentle nutrition piece usually comes in last as people heal the foundational struggles of the spiritual matters first and then those other nine steps of intuitive eating and then 
focusing on that movement and nutrition as the last couple of pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, from there, what, what would you suggest even for those listening, like when it comes to intuitive eating? So obviously we need to address the, the, the spiritual side of it first. Yes. Notice and become aware if there is some sort of eating disorder or disorder, excuse me, disordered eating, if that's present and working on that in that, like, can people be simultaneously working on their disordered eating while trying to eat intuitively? Or is it like, let's just heal all of this first and then start working on listening to our bodies? I really believe it's simultaneous. But with that said, for my clients in particular, I still will always have them listen. Like the way my program is, as I have like my first three modules, which are all self-paced, but it's all those spiritual rooted foundations. But Mm -hmm. with that said, I have them start with that. But there are also times as we go through those other processes of the intuitive eating steps that I might have them go back to those foundational pieces because they might start to, as they're working on feeling hunger, something yeah. something might come up of why are they afraid to feel hunger again? Maybe they have yeah. a history of food insecurity. And so they mm. know what that feels like. And there's a fear around feeling hunger. So we need to go mm. back to those deeper roots and those traumas and those experiences and let God heal that. And it, and I don't mean every time when I say go back, I don't think we have to relive every trauma every time to get healing. That's not necessarily okay. it. But yeah. as the Holy Spirit leads and exposes these things, it's it's truly a journey that it gets uncovered one layer at a time. There's no start to end through this journey of intuitive eating. It's very fluid. And that that journey is, I always like, it's like up and down, right? But it's never down. It's up and down on a continuum of going up because you will continuously heal that, those different Mm -hmm. hunger cues, fullness cues, thoughts around food, but it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it's making peace with one food at a time. So I'll have some clients that, you know, they might have fear around all sweets. We don't necessarily just say, all right, all the sweets at one time. It's yeah, okay, maybe yeah. we're just going to make peace with brownies for the next month. And we just work on yeah. a, for a month on eating a brownie without overeating it. And what that helps mm-hmm. to help learn that I do have self-control around this brownie and I don't have to be afraid mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And the other side of that is I don't have to eat a salad because diets say mm-hmm. like you have to eat a salad to be healthy. Like some of my clients mm-hmm. do not like salads, but then as they yeah. actually healed their relationship with it, they found I really craved a salad today and I ate it. And for the first time, it was so good because mm, it wasn't something yeah. they were forced to do. So yeah, I hope that yeah. kind of answers that question to show like it's yeah. very fluid and it's very mm-hmm. personal to each person and all the components affect each other. But it always really goes back to that spiritual place with the Lord. But we sometimes mm-hmm. need to take the the tangible steps to say today i'm gonna eat three times a day and honor my hunger and fullness like today i'm just gonna respect my body and fuel it three times today instead of skipping Mm -hmm. meal and i'm gonna take a break from work and not let stress drive my entire day and i'm gonna actually pause and respect my body and feel it so Mm -hmm. yeah i love that actually just sorry yeah i just told my boot camp class that today we're going through a series and i only have so much time with them right so they have to be super quick and the series is called holy health habits And uh, the one we were talking about today, like this whole week, we've been talking about how the spiritual discipline of worship and what that looks like with our relationship with the Lord and then what that looks like with our body and what in eating and food. And particularly today, we were talking about regulating our eating behaviors of and I love the way you phrase that of respect your body and eat three times, you know, like that may look taking taking that action step. It's not just I think some people get so confused with intuitive eating in that like a misconception or maybe a myth from it. And you Mm -hmm. can speak more on this. But I think 
so often it's like, well, intuitive eating is just listening to my body. When I'm hungry, I'll eat, you know, but yeah. it's like, well, if you're a constant under eater you yeah. mi- or you're a constant intermittent faster and you're working through that, trying to reverse that, you may not feel hungry. You may I'm not. So glad you brought this- yes. You what? I'm so glad you brought this up. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's so common and be like, well, I'm not hungry, so why would I eat? And it's like, yeah. well, because you need to, and I don't want to say need to. I feel like that's, you know, I use the phrase that I shouldn't should on people, you know, like. Yeah, but, but there is the truth of the fact that our bodies need fuel. Yes, yes. And respecting it enough, even in just one day of fueling it three times so your body knows that it's getting something yes. normal and regular. And it's not striving like, oh, no, when am I going to eat next? Like, am I going to diet? Am I going to, you know, it's that letting go and being like, okay, I'm just going to give my body what it needs today. Yes. You know. And that is like for some of my clients, we can't even work on hunger and fullness cues until we establish just three meals a day. We're not even talking snacks yeah. yet. Because yeah. you you bring up such a good point because it, we can listen to our bodies. But if you have trauma, if you have, if you have or had insult insecurity, that's strongly going to affect your ability to listen to your body. If you have done diets that, like you said, extreme calorie restriction, intermittent fasting, all of that affects our body's ability to send those hormones alerts to your brain and your body to say, hey, I'm hungry, I need to eat. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, it it can create that inability to listen because sometimes when we've had trauma to our body, we can't listen to our body. There's a lot of these different things that can cause us not to be able to listen. So a lot of times we have to address those things before we can even do hunger and fullness. So like that's yeah. where it goes back to. It's very fluid for each person and what that looks mm-hmm. like. So I'm really glad you brought that up because intuitive eating is not just listening to hunger and fullness. It's also those practical things that are needed sometimes. Yeah. And those little daily actions to make sure. Yes. Okay. You are, you know, and like, again, you said respecting your body and respecting yeah. it, you know, with what it needs, even if you don't feel like it, you yes. know, sometimes you're not going to feel like it. Or like you were saying, even in you know, the previous episode of emotions or grief or loss or seasons of anxiety or depression, it is, it may look a little different, but having those tangible steps or actions, like you said, of even just, Hey, you know, like if I have a lot of anxiety and there's a season where there's a lot going on or there's grief or there's loss that's happening, you know, or there has been a loss that has happened and you need that space and you need that time. Just even having that like you were talking about that neuroplasticity of remembering and knowing, okay, I at least just need to eat three times a day. Yeah. Just, just and there's been there. Yeah. It's hard because yeah. you don't feel hungry because when you have stress and anxiety or grief, you don't feel it. But it's like, okay, Lord, you gave me this body. I need to eat. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily going to crave something all the time. It's sometimes it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for the things that I know that I enjoy. I might eat a taco or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah. or a frozen mm-hmm. pizza like or a salad, whatever that is for you. It's yeah. just saying, all right, I'm going to do this because I know I need it, even though I don't feel like it or I don't want it or I'm not craving anything or nothing sounds good. That's really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. And I think there's a phrase that says, like, feelings will follow your actions. Mm-hmm. You know, like, your feelings aren't always going. Like, don't let your yeah. feelings control you, basically, yeah. because if your feelings dictate what you do with your body, then Lord knows where they are. Like, that's why we're in the mess we are, you know, like with health and fitness and all of those things. So kind of winding down now, what are, using all of what you've talked about, what are some of the results that you see with the clients that you work with working through this? I know you've talked about just loving seeing their identity in Christ and having that freedom. 
what else are some of the the results that you see? Well, so outside of just that, the spiritual freedom that happens, some more of those tangible things, just because we've talked more about the steps of intuitive eating, is I have clients that have struggled with binge eating disorder or, you know, feeling out of control around certain foods or not knowing how to listen to hunger and fullness or having really unhealthy stress patterns to really reverse those different struggles they have. So clients being able to eat one cookie and be like, oh, wow. I ate a cookie and I don't feel guilt and shame and I didn't have to eat the whole box. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I never thought this was possible. So all these things that I can, I still love when I remember those conversations with my clients. Like, I, it's not possible. I don't think this is possible for me. And then like several months later or a week later or a year later, whatever that is for them, it's like, oh my gosh, it happened and I didn't know it was possible. So like that's really rewarding to see those behavior changes out of mm-hmm. rooted changes of the heart. And also... Yeah. Like I said, even just working through emotions in a healthy way. When my clients seeing how they actually learn how to work through emotions and traumas and work through hard things and not be afraid to work through hard things, that's very rewarding. And I see the outcome and how that shifts their relationship with food where they stop like mm-hmm. finding themselves in the pantry because they're sad, you know, and not again, yeah. not correct. But at the same time, if they do that, not feeling the guilt and shame flood over them, just recognizing and saying, oh, wow, I must be really sad and I'm turning to food. Okay. I identify it. I'm going to put the food down and go deal with what I need to deal with. And so being able to not shame themselves and feel that burden and actually be able to identify, work through it with the Lord and process. So there's so many different things, but those are just some examples, you know, of giving up the overeating, of really finding that balance, making peace with food, finding joy in movement, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say one disclaimer that I know is not something we probably have the time to go into. But I do want to say, if you are actively struggling with an eating disorder, intuitive eating is not quite for you yet. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it's not for you. But if you are actively in an eating disorder, it's really important that you seek eating disorder treatment because there's often deeper things that need to be addressed first before applying Mm -hmm. all of what we've talked about in the last two episodes into your life. But there will Mm -hmm. be a season in time that I know God will do that and can do that. It's just something Mm -hmm. to address first with a little bit more structure and support around you if you are actively in a diagnosed eating disorder. And diagnosed eating disorders being like anorexia, bulimia. Yeah. Yep. Those. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Or even yeah. extreme binge eating disorder. I know oftentimes, like I was saying, you can feel like you have binge eating disorder when you have disorder eating because of that feeling of the pendulum. So that mm-hmm. one's a little less black and white because some people, once they start intuitive eating, they truly are like it, it, it's solved and they don't have a problem with yeah. that anymore. But around anorexia nervosa, and like any type of purging behaviors, all of that is definitely mm-hmm. something to be addressed first before starting applying intuitive eating into their life. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And just as we're, as we're wrapping up, I'm going to make a comment and then I'll ask you a final question. But I feel like, and I'm sure you feel this way too, health and fitness is so sneaky how Satan gets into it and yes. how he has a hold of so many he has a foothold in so many doors in so many people's lives in health and fitness and it's it's incredible to me how how under addressed that is and just as a people a body of believers and how truly when you begin finding freedom even if that's through your fitness and your nutrition or whatever that looks like when you begin spotting that 
it opens up doors even outside of that too to understand how to spot the lies like we had talked about take replace the thoughts and really heal in the holy spirit through either wounds or trauma whatever it may look like whether it was abuse or addiction or you know so many different areas i think health and fitness is the least talked about when it comes to needing that healing and it is so so sneaky it's in such little ways that he has a foothold and it's like if we can just allow the holy spirit to free us in those ways how much more joy you know i think i've said this before but how much more joy can we have in the journey and then also know how to do that for other things too you know and i really think that it's even more sneaky in the church than it is in the world to be honest Mm, yeah yeah i would agree to that because i think it and Maybe you have a thought on this, but I just think because it's not addressed or it's the pendulum of over, you know, like we talked about thinking about it a lot, thinking about it too much. But then now that the, the the body shame, you know, the body shame movement, body positivity movement has shifted of like health at every size, which is not bad. But with that, it's like, well, I have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like my, I'm not going to have my body in heaven anyways. And it's yeah. like, whoa, sister. Yeah. <laughs> It can't be just back up. Right. Like, let's just back up. Like, it's not like you should not do anything with your body just because you feel good in it. Like, don't don't be apathetic toward it. You know, it's still a gift and we still need to take care of it and honor it in in the ways we need to honor it, but have its rightful place. So it's like overindulgence to apathy. You know, I feel like that's that's where it swings oftentimes or what I find in the church. Maybe you find a little bit differently, but it's just it's like kind of both those and like trying to get them in the center of, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. And like when it comes to, I just think a lot of scripture is very twisted about like the, your body's temple, the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, I mean, there's not, not truth to that, but we also, if you look at the context of the scripture that that's in, it's not actually talking about what we do or don't eat, but with that, I mean, we can obviously take that and apply truth to that. But like, again, that doesn't mean that God wants us to try and control our body or act out of fear or act out of like we need to be a certain weight to be used by God. But the churches can be very harsh about, you know, it's all about what you physically do in your body that honors God. And if and I've Mm. heard this from church members and from the pulpit that if you're in a larger body, then you're not honoring God. And that is Mm. very harmful and damaging. And that is a huge lie that just feeds the disorder and yeah. the, the harm around it. So, I mean, and again, that's a whole nother topic we could really dig into. Yeah. I mean, cause even in smaller bodies, it could be the same thing, right? Very, yeah. but there's, so I think it's very deceptive in the church because of the way we can use scripture to try to manipulate mm-hmm. and, and it really not be truth when we look at the full picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that scripture. Cause that a couple, I think episode 17 or 18, I just did a podcast on that scripture and talking about how like we use that as a Christian cliche, you know, as I'll call it, but like, what does it actually mean? And it's really more talking about freedom than anything else, you know, than chaining us to this ideal of what this looks like. But with that, our final question I ask all of my guests is if you had five minutes with a woman, you know, and you could tell her anything, you're meeting with her for coffee. She's struggling in health and fitness. She's just trying to find freedom, trying to get her head above water, but you only had five minutes or less to say something to her, what would you want to tell her? I won't take the full five minutes. So. I know. <laughs> because I know we're coming to the podcast end, but I'll give the overview. Mm-hmm. 
I would definitely address the identity piece and ask those hard questions without coming in with assumption and judgment. Ask Mm -hmm. that person and that that woman that I'm sitting in front of, looking at her truly as the daughter of Christ, to ask her what her heart's desires are, what she was truly looking for through these things in her life that she's been using, like the diets or whatever that is. And what is that desire? And then ask her, you know, how how has that been serving you? And then really help from there, once I knew her heart, help her to see what God's truth is around who she is as a daughter of Christ and where she needs, like where that desire can be met through the Lord. So I kind of a broad answer, but it would depend on the person and what their deeper wound is or their deeper need is of where I would help direct the truth of God. And then, of course, like, there would be that aspect of, you know, how can we practically do this? But mm-hmm. again, it goes back to if we don't see the need and we don't see the problem, yeah. we're not going to know that we need a solution. So that would yeah. be how I would probably spend the five minutes is helping them see the need and then helping mm-hmm. them see the truth of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that is beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Brittany, for joining us. If you want to go ahead and just let people know where they can find you again, everything will be in the show notes as well. But just let them know your website, your Instagram handle, and what you offer as well. Yeah, so my website is myrevnutrition.com. And my Instagram is Brittany Bauer RDN. And, you know, I have free resources on both. I also am on Facebook a lot. And to be honest, I can't remember my Facebook URL, but I have <laughs> But I am on Facebook. We'll put it in the show notes. And I have a a public Facebook group for people who are not my clients as well, where I offer like free trainings and and answer questions and that type of stuff as well, if that's needed. Yeah. Awesome. And you are coming out with a podcast. The trailer is already out with a friend of yours. That will be more about, tell tell everybody about what that will be. Yeah. So the podcast is called Abiding at the Table. And my colleague, Kirsten Schmidt, is doing that with me. She's a certified health coach and behavioral change specialist. And She's awesome. She's also a strong believer in Christ. And the purpose of that is an experiential podcast to help you to really be mindful and incorporate mindful practice while eating. So it's a podcast that you actually use while you eat. And then it also speaks truth and scripture and does teaching throughout that as well. That is awesome. I love that. I can't wait to do that for myself and then also utilize that for my clients as well who need to be able to sit and eat slowly and mindfully and what that looks like and getting that truth as as they're doing that as well so thank you again so much it's truly been a blessing and an honor and if you are listening if you want to hear more again you can find her on our instagram message us message either one of us message me let me know too if you want to hear her talk about something more specific that she talked about in the podcast the last couple weeks dm me and let me know and we'll try and see if that's something that we can do together again soon all right thanks fit fam Hey Fit Fam, it's a blessing to be in this journey with you. The best thing you can do after listening to this podcast is to leave a written review so that other mamas can see the value in their health and fitness journey through the lens of the gospel. Be sure to tap subscribe so you get notified when a new episode airs. I am the most personal, personal trainer out there. My clients, app subscribers, and podcast listeners really do become my good friends. So if we haven't already, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at SDFitWell. Shoot me a DM and let's start a conversation. I truly want to see the Lord work in your wellness journey and be in it with you. I'm so grateful you've listened. Let's get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I can't wait to chat with you in the next episode.